Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Learn how to structure your small firm to be a profitable small firm. How much do we charge? How much should we pay our employees? How much should we plan for profit? How do we do that? Well, Download our free course, It's Free, Profit for Small Firm Architects at entrearchitect.com slash free course. You are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, and this is episode 211. Welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, you're in the process of launching a startup, or you may be an experienced small firm architect just like me, just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. In this episode, I have the honor to speak to two young emerging architects who have decided to take the lead in the profession and build a powerful resource that informs and empowers other emerging professionals. Hear what can happen when two women refuse to allow anything to block their way to success. It's an inspiring story. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, The Girl Uninterrupted Project with Juliet Chen, and Zanina Boyadzeva. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our longtime platform sponsors, RCAT, FreshBooks, 
and Core by BQE Software. And I'm going to share more about these great companies later, so listen up. But before we get started, just take a quick note right now. Go put it in your iPhone or jot it down. Go say hi to them. Go go check them out. RCAT, FreshBooks, Core by BQE. Let them know that you appreciate them for supporting us here at the Entree Architect Podcast because they are supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Juliet Chun and Zanina Boyadzeva, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much, Mark. We're excited to be here. You're welcome. I'm, I'm glad I got those names right. I've been practicing all morning, so I'm very proud of myself. Let me, let, me introduce, let me introduce you both um, to the audience here. Um, Juliet Chun with a BS and an MRC from Northeastern University. Juliet joined Lear's Wine Saffle Associates in 2008 and has worked on a diversity of projects such as the Ohio State University East Regional Chilled Water Plant and the UMass Design Building. She has taught at the Boston Architectural College, the BAC, as a studio instructor and thesis advisor and has been a guest critic for various institutions, including Wentworth University, or it's actually an institute, Wentworth Institute of Technology, uh, Mass Art College of Art and Design, and Pratt University. Zanina Boyadzeva, originally from Bulgaria, Zanina um, received a BA from Mount Holyoke College and her MARC from the Harvard GSD. She joined Lear's Weinsapel Associates in 2014 and has worked on a variety of academic and infrastructure projects, such as the Kundese Campus Competition in Paris, UMass Design Building, and currently the Harvard Alston Energy Facility Plant. Um, Zanina is an active member of WID and Culture Now. She has taught at the Boston Architectural College and has been a uh, guest critic at the Harvard GSD, Northeastern, Wentworth, Mount Holyoke College, and Kuwait University. And inspired by the work um, of our friends over at Equity by Design and the Beverly Willis Foundation and many, many others, together, Juliet and Zanina uh, are the co-founders of Girl Uninterrupted Project, the Girl Uninterrupted Project, uh, which seeks to, br to bridge the gap between young female designers and leaders in the architectural field. So this is really exciting. I've, we're, we've been connected and communicating on Twitter, Twitter for the last year or so. Um, and I love their story, and I wanted to bring their story to to he, to you here at Entree Architect Podcast. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the girl in uninterrupted project. But before we do that, I want to get into their origin stories. I want to learn a little bit more about each of you, uh, Juliet and Zanina. I, I shared a little bit about you in those introductions, but I want to learn more about you. So take a quick minute or two each. We'll start with Juliet. Um, and let's learn about you. Where, where did you discover architecture and what brought you to architecture uh, and, and sort of share your journey to where you are today? Hi. So I actually didn't know I wanted to be an architect until I was in college. So I grew up in Tampa and I went to Northeastern University uh, more because I like the city of Boston than because of the majors that they had. And so when I started, I was undecided. And at the end of my freshman year, my advisor said, okay, you've been taking all of these classes for a year. It's time to pick a major. <laughs> so she gave me this big book of course descriptions and said, look through this, see what classes sound interesting and pick a major. So 
the things I found really interesting were psychology, behavioral neuroscience, history, and architecture. And I don't know, I because I didn't want to be in a lab all day, I steered away from any of the sciences. And I just decided, why not try architecture? What's the worst that's going to happen? So I met with the head of the architecture school. He sounded great. He was really nice. He he described the curriculum as something really interesting. So I, I joined that. I became friends with everyone in my class. I loved my teachers and I just, I stayed in it. And the great thing about Northeastern is that they have a co-op program. And so while I was there, we all did three co-ops. My first one was half time at the Museum of Fine Arts and their project man management team, and then half time at Moscow Lynn Architects. And my second co-op was actually at Northeastern in their facilities department. And my third co-op was here at Leary's Weinbachel Associates. One of my studio professors, Tiffany Lynn, had suggested that I come and interview. And I just fell in love with this place. I always joke that I got my foot in the door and then I just never left. I just <laughs> wiggled my way all the way in. So after I graduated, I came I came back here to work full time. And you, I bet you didn't know how much psychology would be used in architecture. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. So all of those interests back then sort of all merged into one profession. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing how much how much is included in the architecture field? How much you need to know? Yeah, yeah, I think you picked the right one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's hear your stories, Anina. Uh, thank you, Mark. Um, so it's actually interesting hearing Juliet's story. Uh, mine is slightly different. Um, so I was always interested in the art since I was little and was always drawing and sketching and uh, always was part of the arts club back in uh, middle school and then uh, high school in Bulgaria. And my, but I was also very tended to be good at maths. Uh, my father is actually a professor of mathematics, so somehow, you know, genetically got transferred to me, I guess. Um, and I always liked systems and organization. And back in Bulgaria, when you're about to apply for college. Uh, most schools are actually technical, so you tend to know already what you want to study. Um, so back in high school, I was having these conversations um, with my teachers and trying to figure out, do I want to do art or do I want to do something different? Um, and somehow architecture tended to be always the thing that everybody was pointing at. Um, and I applied to colleges and universities abroad, and I was always searching for a school that had a big population of international students, uh, but also had some kind of architecture program. Uh, I was lucky that Manholyok accepted me and gave me a scholarship to study there. And they had just recently added a major in architectural studies, which was a collaboration between the five schools in the area. Um, and I did that and I did various programs in the summers while I was in college. I went to the New York Institute for architecture and urban studies. I did a program, a summer career services program at Harvard uh, Graduate School of Design. And, and the more I kept doing architecture, the more I really enjoyed it. And just as Juliet, I was very much attracted to the complexity of the profession and the politics and sociology that also goes behind it. So having that really Bachelor of Arts open education 
helped me a lot to even love architecture more. And out of Mount Holyoke, I went straight to Harvard uh, to do my master's at the Graduate School of Design uh, for four years, uh, where I actually met Andrea Lears giving a lecture. She was the professor at the urban design department there, and I really appreciated the work. So I was lucky that I actually had an interview after graduation and got here and met Juliet. And I've been loving working here. I've been here for three and a half years now and very much enjoying all the projects and all the collaborations in the office. Well, that's that's exciting. That's so you we you and I, the three of us actually have connected on on Twitter because that's most mostly where I've seen um, the the girl uninterrupted. you know, um, handle <laughs> that's that's mm-hmm. the word I was looking for uh, on Twitter. Um, we we've, we've uh, have mutual friends with Rosa Shang and and the Equity by Design. Rosa's been on the show several times talking about uh, Equity by Design. Um, and I see on Twitter every once in a while, girl uninterrupted pop up, and I you know very interesting conversations and um, and I wanted to to talk about that. I wanted to talk about your project. I looked into it after I sort of connected with you on Twitter and uh, I see what you're doing and I wanted to, uh, to give you an opportunity to, to share it with our listeners. So first of all, I wanted to know the origin of the name. I know girl interrupted is a movie. Um, but so I'm, I'm assuming that's a derivative of, of the name, but, but why did you choose that name and why do you give the, the project that name? And then we'll talk about the project itself. Uh, that's a good question. We actually had a lot of discussion how to name this project. Um, and I think because both of us are young female designers in architecture, that's the girl part. Um, and then we have been working in very and learning in very unique environments that never interrupted us. <laughs> so we've been really lucky to just progressively grow in our careers and personal lives. Um, so in a way that kind of Actually, Juliet came up with the with the phrase "girl uninterrupted," but I think we both really bonded with it. Yeah, I love that name. I love the name, and I love the origin story behind it. That it's sort of just the, that you've just you're on a path, and nothing's going to stop you, and you're just moving forward, and there's just nothing that's going to interrupt your your progress. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So so let's talk about the project. What is "girl uninterrupted"? Okay, so I can give you a little bit of the background story yeah. of how the project came about, and then Juliet can talk more about the phases of the project. Okay. Uh, so as, as we mentioned, we are designers at uh, Lear's Weisenthal Associates, and for those of you who don't know much about the firm, it's actually a firm founded by two women back in the 80s, Andrea Lear's and Jane Weisenthal, and they're really role models to, uh, to us. Uh, they're absolutely amazing. And last year, uh, they were nominated for an International Women's Award that was organized by the Architectural Review magazine. So they, around February, I believe, they went to London for the ceremony. And when they came back, they brought an issue of Architectural Review magazine that uh, focused all about the history of women in architecture, had a diversity of articles, um, including an international survey that looked at uh, you know, wage gap differences, um, gender differences when it comes to discrimination in the profession. Um, So actually on Women's Day, we had an office-wide two-hour lunch discussion where everybody was invited to participate and discuss any of the articles we read in the magazine. 
as well as just generally any observations we have in the field when it comes to equity in the field. Um, and we just kept uh, talking with Juliet after that lunch, uh, specifically about the statistics and the, that international survey that was run in Europe, um, I think in Australia and America. And we were quite shocked to see those statistics because as we said, we felt like we have always been in a very privileged position. Um, and we always have this amazing support of our um, sponsors and mentors here. So we thought, ah, we want to understand better what's happening with our generation of emerging professionals in Boston. So just around that time, there was actually ABX, which is a conference that happens uh, in architecture in Boston every year. They had an open call for proposals uh, at the end of March. So we just kind of scribbled down this idea of the girl uninterrupted project, uh, wrote a short blurb and basically applied for the to be part of the conference. Uh, we forgot about the application and about two months later at the end of May, we get an email saying, congrats, you're part of ABX. So basically we launched our project uh, like three days after we received that email saying like, this is really amazing. We get to do this research project and now we have to do it. <laughs> so it was quite of a running project that is from the beginning. And we're still running. Oh yeah, we're when, and all what, the time. What year did you start it? 2017. So okay. we wrote the proposal last March yep. and then we basically launched it in May of 2000, at the end of May of 2017. And then Juliet can tell you about the research parts of the project. Okay. Yes. Like Shanina said, the project's divided into three phases. The first one is a survey. So we had developed a survey with the help of many people about how to write questions, how to how to even order the questions in the survey, how to ask them in a non-biased way. Uh, so we had the survey, we distributed it out to emerging professionals in Boston. We got 500 results, which was amazing to yeah, us. Yeah, that's great. When we first started, we, we thought, wouldn't it be great if we got like 100? <laughs> so <laughs> 500, we were really shocked. Um, and the survey itself was divided into four parts. There was general info, uh, salary negotiation, work-life balance, and career growth. And so we asked different questions, both quantitative and qualitative, and we had all of that data professionally analyzed by the help of uh, Janina's very good friends who processed them through all these sophisticated computer programs that we didn't understand what any of the results were. <laughs> yeah, they're professors in economics and marketing at Boston College and at Northeastern. So they're really professionals with that. Yeah. And um, so we got all of that and we presented that at ABX. Uh, the second phase was a conversation series between us and top leaders in the field. So we interviewed women principals, uh, landscape architects, uh, even human resources associates, and we got their perspective on, you know, how they came up in the field, what challenges they might have faced, how they overcame them, and any tips for emerging professionals on what we could do to sort of jumpstart our careers. And the third phase is a manual where we'll publish all of this research because we really want to keep everything transparent, all of the research we've done, all the information we've gathered, and promote this idea of transparency within office culture. 
and it'll be sort of a two-sided manual, the one side being tips to emerging professionals, but then the other side also tips to leaders on small tweaks you can do in your office to really maximize the talent that you have and to retain the talent. The, the conversation series, is the conversation series uh, written or video or both? So the conversation series, we would actually, something similar to you, we would meet with um, those women leaders uh, over lunch or over breakfast and basically have a one hour conversation, mm -hmm. uh, which we recorded on our phones. And then we would transcribe and edit and publish on our website in a written form. Uh, so that's all available on our website and the conversations are really inspirational hearing kind of certain vulnerable stories uh, but also looking at what uh, the leaders thoughts are on the emerging professionals and challenges that exist right now let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors at entree architect arcat freshbooks and core by BQE Software. Planning architecture can be difficult, encompassing multiple projects and, and involving several team members. Keeping everyone's duties and data in order can be difficult, and, and, and an email thread is, is just not gonna work, right? That's why RCAT.com developed Charette for us. It's a free online tool that will help you organize and collaborate assign team members to tasks, share ideas. You can even use RCAT's free library of product information to attach relevant products or build an online specification. You've heard me talk about that in the past. You can do all of that and put it in Charette. See if Charette is right for you. It's free at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. And it's not going to cost you a penny. Just like everything else with RCAT, it's free. Check it out. Use our link, entrearchitect.com slash RCAT, and check out Charette today. FreshBooks makes it simple. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for the whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. It does everything. And my favorite feature in FreshBooks is the automated invoice reminders. I love this feature. I think sending invoices and getting paid is one of the biggest barriers to our success as entrepreneur architects, right? Who has the time? But, but if we don't send out invoices, we're not going to get paid, right? But FreshBooks makes it easy to send out invoices and get paid online with a click of a button. And when your, your client doesn't pay you on time, FreshBooks will send them a friendly email reminder through a simple system that you control. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, my favorite and yours, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks to access FreshBooks for free. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. One of the most often requested resources here at the Entree Architects community is project management software. How do, we, how do we do all this? How do we keep everything organized? How do we keep our projects and our people organized while we grow as entrepreneur architects? Well, today's podcast is sponsored by our friends at BQE Software, the makers of the award-winning BQE Core. Core puts project management 
business intelligence, billing, time, and expense tracking, and accounting together on one intuitive, powerful platform. With its cloud platform and mobile apps, makes it easy. Core lets you manage people, projects, and profits from anywhere that you have an internet connection. Get your fully functional 15-day trial of Core by going to entrearchitect.com slash BQE. That's entrearchitect.com slash BQE. RCAT, FreshBooks, and BQE software, please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So the designer, it's a designer's data survey. That's what it's called, right? Yep. And so that, so the survey, uh, you did it at Boston. You're currently doing it in, in several other cities, right? Yeah, so after we started the survey in Boston and we analyzed all the results, we were really encouraged to expand to other cities so that we could compare context between Boston and other places in the U.S. So our survey is now expanded to L.A., Chicago, Washington, D.C., and New York, and we're right in the middle of it. Every day we check to see how many people have taken the survey. It's going to be up until the end of March. That'll, that'll be very interesting to to compare the, the cities and see if there are differences among the cities. Yeah, we're excited to see what the outcomes are. The website, we'll also mention it at the end, but the website is girluninterruptedproject.com. Um, and you can go there and you can and you can take the survey. So do the people, do they have to be in those cities to take the survey? Yeah, we're basically targeting emerging professionals, so zero to 10 years of experience, uh, male and female. Um, and yes, they should be located in those cities so we can get accurate data uh, okay. in those cities. Yep. So what is, um, what is, you're going to get all this data, you're going to analyze it, you're going to put together this manual for action tips, sort of globally, like a, a big picture. What are you hoping to achieve by going through this project? Well, first of all, we're hoping to bring really transparency around certain issues. Um, architecture is a little bit of a hidden profession. You don't really know what's happening necessarily with policies with different offices and how things are run. Um, so we want to be able to give a voice also to a lot of people who might not necessarily feel supported um, in their work environments like we do. So we're trying to extract that, but also just generally understand what uh, emerging professional professionals are struggling with and what would be sort of issues that need to be tackled for future progress. If we want to make architecture more equitable, we can tackle it also from the beginning of the, when you enter the career. <clears throat> yeah, and I think a lot of emerging professionals, especially in architecture, are in those bigger cities where they might be in a bubble and they might be working in places like us where we feel like we're in a, a double bubble, sort of. And I think if if more people know about the issues that are in architecture, especially for emerging professionals, as they rise through the ranks and they become leaders themselves, they can start to recognize some of these issues and and be able to resolve them or even avoid them altogether because because they know that they're there to begin with. When I first heard, you know, girl and uninterrupted the the name, and I I, I was 
trying to dis discover what you were doing. My first thought was that it's that it was similar to what Equity by Design was doing. That it was that it was female focused, sort of looking for ways to to have more equity uh, in architecture. Uh, not that they're only female focused, but that's sort of their their launch you know launch pad is is from the female perspective. Obviously, yours is as well. But it, but it sounds to me through dis through a discussion here that it's more about emerging professionals than it is about female emerging professionals. Am I right? Yes, you're correct. We are always, uh, I mean, we are curious to see whether there's any gender differences when we analyze the data, but we analyze the data through also kind of understanding uh, what are the differences in size of firms, what kind of different um, issues everybody in the emerging, as emerging professionals are really facing. Um, so even though we call the project Girl Uninterrupted, it kind of reflects a little bit who we are, <laughs> but it really, we are hoping to give a voice to all emerging professionals. Yeah, and when we got the data back from Boston, one of the questions had an open-ended answer that people could fill in whatever they wanted. And we actually got a lot of responses from men who feel like they aren't heard in their offices and, and they don't have a clear path for mentorship and they don't really know what to do. And so for us, it was, you know, we sort of started this as a, as a women, you know, young female designer sort of study, it, it's kind of evolved into a more emerging professionals in general kind of study. Yeah, and I, I think it's very needed. I think the things that you're that you're asking the categories, the gen, uh, you know, the self confidence, negotiation, um, career growth, work life balance, those are all issues that that are are universal in our profession they're all things that we're all working on especially at emerging emerging professionals where you you don't really know um the path to success yet um a lot of the the firms that are out there are sort of closed they're not quite as open as they should be um, there's no clear progress path and so by sort of highlighting the differences in different cities and and what's actually happening there you'll be able to sort of you know, show the world, show our profession, show these firms uh, what's actually happening in their firms that they may not even know. Um, and then by creating the manual, we'll not only be able to give those emerging professionals some guidance to sort of find their way through the profession, but also give those firms sort of a, a manual to look at and say, hey, I, you know, we're not really doing this right. Maybe there's some things that we can do to change. Uh, and then the whole profession becomes a stronger profession. And actually, the emerging professionals also become a stronger uh, generation of, of architects in the profession. Yes, that's exactly what we're hoping to do. And yeah. from, from conversations we've had with other emerging professionals and leaders, it always seems like there's this disconnected communication mm -hmm. where designers assume that leaders know how they feel and leaders assume that they're being very transparent. So it's it's more of trying to create a dialogue of saying, hey, you know, we don't know the other side. Let's talk about it some more. We can't assume that everyone always knows what's happening. Yeah. Yes. When we were reaching out to distribute the survey in Boston, we were actually very pleasantly surprised because at some point we, we were mostly reaching out uh, principals and firms, uh, just cold emailing them saying, hey, we're launching this project. Um, could you please ask your employees to take it? And we were very surprised at how many principals actually responded, saying like, oh, that sounds great, I'll distribute it, and please keep us posted on the results. 
And we've had many conversations with principals um, of firms who generally told us is like, oh, I'm I was very curious to see the questions you're asking. So these are the questions that the emerging professionals ask amongst themselves. Uh, and they really seek to have that connection with um, the other generation and really understanding everybody better. So we're hoping at the end it's like a mutually um, beneficial project. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that happening, sort of the, the guidebook to bring the two generations together. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, so w were there any surprises that you found with, with the data from Boston that sort of you looked through it and, and some of it was probably obvious. You kind of looked at it and said, yeah, I expected that. Um, but were, were there any surprises that you did not expect? Um, actually, there was there there were a few surprises that we did not expect. And um, one was that whenever we would ask questions about various policies or what your office offers, most emerging professionals actually responded, "Oh, I don't know." And for us, that was a bit of a shocker um, of how how much lack of knowledge there is about um, work environment policies. So that was one thing. Um, yeah, and to us that meant either those issues aren't important to some emerging professionals, so they haven't sought out that, that piece of information yet, or it meant that there was not that much transparency in office policies within these offices. So it was sort of a double-sided thing of two groups needing to communicate more. Uh, the other thing that was interesting was that our data aligned with the current research, which I don't know what we weren't expecting anything specific, but just to see that it's it follows the same logic was sort of interesting that it, for emerging professionals, the difference between genders that isn't really there yet. Yeah. Uh, but once you hit the 10 plus year mark, that's when things really start to, you start to see that gap because we had a question in there, uh, how many years of experience do you have? And we had a 10 plus so we could filter out the people who might have 11 years of experience or 15 years. And that's really where we started to see the differences. Yeah, that's very interesting. You see that in the equity by design results as well, that yeah. is sort of very parallel until they get to a certain point and then, they, then yeah. it breaks off and there's a change. Yeah, there was also another interesting thing when we started asking more qualitative questions of how do you feel about asking questions at your workplace? Um, and apparently in Boston, everybody feels very comfortable asking questions all the time. But then another question was how, how do you feel about initiating ideas at the workplace? And the percentages drastically dropped there. Um, so we, we were kind of surprised saying, okay, you feel comfortable asking questions, but why would you not feel comfortable initiating ideas? And how could we make the work environment more kind of open to being able to share various ideas as, I mean, this is a design field and creativity is kind of something that all of us really have and ideas. Mm -hmm. So how, how could we cherish those ideas? Yeah, and one other one that we found interesting was about negotiation. So we asked the question of, do you negotiate? If you did, were you successful? And if you did not, why not? So we found that a lot of people have negotiated, more women than men. Uh, and when we asked the question, why not? It was interesting to see that for most women, it was because they didn't feel confident. They didn't know how to. But for most men, it was because they never had to. 
Oh, interesting. Because when you said that that more women negotiated than men, I was surprised at that. And uh -huh. now I now I see what why because the men basically got what they wanted and the women had to ask for it. Well, according to our data, at least. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Very interesting. So, so uh, are the results available on the website as well? So we are still processing kind okay. of final diagrams and we will be posting the Boston results at the end of March when the rest of the surveys close because we don't want um, that to really right. hint any results. Okay. But right. they will be available soon. Okay. So the end, end of March 2018, if you're listening to this in the future. Um, the website is girluninterruptedproject.com. Um, the survey, could you repeat the cities again that people are, are uh, for the for the current surveys that are going? Yep, they're New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago, and Los Angeles. Okay, so if you're in one of those cities and you're, uh, in, uh, you're a, a, an emerging professional, zero to 10 years, either male or female, so I encourage you, the male listeners out there to go over there as well uh, because I think I think that that you'll probably tend to actually that's a good question. Did you find in, in Denver and at Denver in in Boston that um, that it was more women than men taking the survey or not? So we did have about 65 percent of the survey takers were women and 35 percent were male. But looking at the overall number of survey takers, which was 533, we still got quite a lot of responses yeah. from from male respondents. So that was great. Right. So, so it is a, it's an emerging professional survey, not necessarily a female emerging professional survey. So I encourage everybody who's listening, who's, who's in the field for 10 years or less in those cities, go to girluninterruptedproject.com. Uh, go click the link to take your survey and take that survey. And let's see, because uh, the more surveys that are taking, the more, the better the results you're going to get. So, um, and then we'll be able to, to see those those results for each city and be able to compare them. I think it's going to be super, super interesting uh, to see that. And then to have these manuals put together to sort of, you know, uh, give give us a, a, a guideline, sort of a, a path to fix some of these issues that we have in our profession. I think it's a it's a it's a worthy cause. I think it's a, a great uh, project that you've you've started here. And I applaud you. Thank you very much. We hope it brings some conversation at least. <laughs> yeah, def definitely. I, um, and, I, and I didn't prep you on this, but I want to ask you this question that I ask everybody. Um, so I'm going to ask, what is the one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? I'll ask each of you that question. Uh, and it's really sort of an idea of something that, you know, something that an architect can do very relatively short term to see some uh, results you know, happen in a relatively short amount of time. Do you have any ideas? Um, so the first idea actually that comes to my mind uh, was a conversation we've had with Amy Hughes, uh, who was actually a, an HR uh, senior associate, I believe, at um, Canon Design. And something that she emphasized is how important it is to have a personal connection with your employees, regardless of the size of the firm, being able to understand what are the personal struggles and uh, personal goals of the employees really uh, produces kind of a relationship of mutual respect and, and guidance. So I think that's something that everybody should be doing at whatever size firm. That's a great one. Juliet, do you have anything else? I think for me, the, a big thing is uh, having a good morale boost in the office to show emerging professionals that they are appreciated 
you know, working the long hours, you might not always feel like you're appreciated and that people are noticing. So even just a thank you once in a while gets gets people pretty stoked and pretty happy. Yeah, that's a great one. I've written about that. I think that uh, just the words thank you a lot can go a long way. Yeah. 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 I think recognition and and the acknowledgement that people are doing some good work uh, will keep them doing some good work and and encourage them to do better. So I, I love those. Both of those are, are great answers to that question. The website again is girluninterruptedproject.com. Uh, their Twitter handle is girluninterrupted, at girluninterrupted. Un, uh, go follow them there and get into the conversation with them there. Um, go to the website and go take that survey. If you have any questions, you can email them at mail at girluninterruptedproject.com. So if you have any questions about the survey or anything that you heard about here today or just want to say thank you for doing what they're doing, I encourage you to to send them an email and say hi and, and thank them for what they're doing. I really uh, I really love what they're doing. So Juliet Chun, Janina Boyadziva. Nope, it was Boyadziva. Got it. You <laughs> thank you very much, both of you, for joining us here today, sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you so thank much, you. Mark. It was an honor. Yep. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I, I, I hope you were inspired by what Juliet and Zazina are doing uh, at Girl Uninterrupted. I am inspired by it. I am inspired by them. I am inspired by their project. I hope you go check them out uh, and help them. Go take the surveys and and, uh, and and put your input into what they're doing. Let's uh, let's let's all work together to make this profession the best it can be. I appreciate their leadership, and I encourage you go to go um, to go check them out. I also encourage you to share this episode with a friend. If it's this is an episode that you think somebody that you know might be interested in, might learn something, might might be inspired by something, share entrearchitect.com slash episode 211, 211, entrearchitect.com slash episode 211. That's the, the link to share. Please do that. That's how we're growing here. We're growing every, every episode uh, because you are sharing our episodes one architect at a time and i appreciate that go make sure you check out our free course profit for small firm architects at entrearchitect.com slash free course it's a course that will teach you step by step how to build a profit plan for your architecture firm go check it out it's free entrearchitect.com slash free course and my name is mark arla page and i'm an entrepreneur architect and i encourage you to go build a better business so you and be a better architect. Love, learn, share what you know. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.